I have a 19 month old and a seven and a half year old. Oh, she's gonna cry. Oh, I'm sorry. She's like, I'm gonna be on the show. I know. I know. She's- She's so speaking wants. of motherhood, though. What a like a perfect like addition yeah. to like we are not editing out that cry. That no. cry is staying in the podcast today. I know. Real life, real life. Yeah, Baby's I cry. Fun fact. <laughs> Welcome to the Finding Your Shine podcast, hosted by best friends Nina Boyce and Liz Garster. Enjoy a dose of Monday motivation each week as we interview people lighting up the communities of health and wellness, spirituality, and personal growth. Wherever you are on your journey to health, happiness, and self-love, our real and authentic conversations with guests will keep you inspired and empowered. And keep you laughing too. Thanks for listening. We're honored to join you in finding your shine. Hey everyone, today we are talking to McLean McGowan, who is a postpartum and prenatal doula, guide, nutritionist, yoga teacher, prenatal and postpartum yoga and meditation teacher, Reiki and crystal practitioner. I mean, literally all Just the a most, couple things. Yeah, Just all the few. most lovely, lovely things. We met in LA a couple of months ago. She has her own podcast, Mother the Mother, and she's one of me and my husband's clients. And we got to talking, of course, not just about her producing her podcast, but I asked her all of these questions about motherhood and femininity. One minute or less. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh my God, you do all these things. Tell me everything I want to know. I'm into hormones. Like, let's have a discussion. And I immediately said, we need to get you on our podcast. So I'm so glad that she came on today. If you are not a mother yet, or if you are not thinking about becoming a mother, please don't you know, push this episode aside. This is a super vulnerable and open conversation that the three of us had about just being a woman and really owning your power and dropping your blocks, surrendering. It's really more of a female empowerment episode than it is um, anything else. So please, please stay tuned and listen to this. I would say too, even if you're not at this point on your journey, like I'm not at this point yet at all, you know, you obviously are going to have friends, loved ones that become mothers. And I think it's a really good idea to Mm. get a sense of what they're going to need in that time. Um, We talked, like you said, Nina, we did talk about birth and, and that whole process. And then we also obviously got into the postpartum stuff. So there are ways that you can help the women in your life at all these different stages. And I think it's just a good idea to be reminded of that. I agree. It's good to know if you're not going through this process yourself, what is happening to your closest friends? What did your mother go through? What did the women in your lineage go through? I feel like it's our duty as a woman to kind of get on board and help support other women who are in this birthing process. So it's a great episode. We cannot wait for you to dive in. But first, but first, empowered voice. How did you know it was coming? Did you know it was coming? (laughs) Did you know we were going to talk about it? It is almost time for those early bird tickets to be ending. So if you have not got your ticket for empowered voice yet, we highly recommend you do before those prices go up. You've heard us talk about it for multiple weeks now. You know how excited we are for you to hear these incredible speakers, to empower you to learn how to share your voice and to connect with a bunch of other amazing women in the field of wellness. So head on over to empoweredvoiceconference.com or you can find us on Instagram at finding your shine podcast and the link to the tickets are in our bio. 
Awesome. Well, let's start talking female empowerment and motherhood with McLean McGowan. So McLean, we are so, so happy to have you with us on the podcast today. I have been really me and Liz both have been talking a lot about motherhood recently. I think it's because we both are now in our 30s. And I know when I met you mm-hmm. in uh, Santa Monica, like what, a month, two months ago, a month ago? I don't even yeah, know how long it was. Like two mo- I know. Um, uh, it's a blur. I two know. months ago, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I was like immediately interested. I wanted to, we were there to talk about your podcast. And I was like, but can you mm-hmm. also just talk to me about motherhood and, <laughs> and like uh, yeah. talk to me about being a doula. So I'm so thankful to have you um, on the podcast today to talk all about Thank what you. you do. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. You're welcome. So would you mind explaining to our listeners a little bit about what brought you into um, the motherhood route and being a doula yes. and all of the things that you're doing? Yeah. So Really, the biggest thing that brought me into it was the birth of my daughter almost eight years ago. And um, I was, I would say, quote unquote, in the alternative birth world, but not as a worker. I was just always interested in it. And in college, I actually had taken a midwifery kind of introductory class, which was so random. I went to a very alternative school on the East Coast and had read Spiritual Midwifery. And was very moved by it, but it was so random to what I was doing that it was kind of like, oh, that's interesting. And then it just kind of went in a drawer and I never really looked at it again. And then uh, when I got pregnant, I really wanted to have midwifery care, which I did and wanted to birth at home, but I wasn't really quite there mentally. My husband definitely wasn't there. And this, again, this was eight years ago. So the birth world has really changed as far as our education and, you know, that, that, almost a decade. And so I was going for a birth center birth and really learned so much during my pregnancy about myself, my body. Uh, It was really a very spiritual time for me. And then I, um, the birth went differently than I had expected. And I ended up transferring to the hospital and had an epidural and I did have a vaginal birth, which I'm very grateful for. But I really realized that there was all this prep work and money and time spent and classes during the pregnancy for this one moment of birth. And then there was little to zero planning for the the opposite side, Mm. you know, the postpartum. Mm -hmm. And so I really was like, what the fuck? You know, like this is insane and no one is talking about this. And you know, we've done all this prep work and then now we're just like released into the wild, like figured out on our own. Literally. And, yeah. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> and someone had mentioned a postpartum doula, but it, like, it didn't even like flash in my brain. I was like, yeah, whatever. I've got this. And, um, you know, now in LA, at least there are hundreds and hundreds of postpartum doulas now, you know, when I started about, I would say six and a half years ago, there were like a handful. So really I just find that in my life, like I've never really had set goals. Like I've just never been one of those people that's like, but in five years, I want this to happen. In five years, this is going to happen. I really like, I wasn't really even looking to get married. My my husband got married, wasn't really thinking I'd start having kids, got pregnant, had kids, you know? So I feel like my life has been really just an unfolding. And so the birth of my daughter really brought me into this work because I just realized there was a void and there was a niche that needed to be filled. And I felt very called to do that. And 
I, I even remember like a couple of days after giving birth and a good friend came over and I was 33, almost 34 at the time. And she was a couple of years younger than me. And I just remember looking at her like dead in the face and being like, this shit is crazy. Like no one's talking about this, but I'm going to tell you like straight right when I'm in it. So I remember, you know, what's going on really in like present tense, because I feel like so many people too, is like when months and years pass, you, it's so easy to like, look back and kind of gloss over everything, sugarcoat mm-hmm. stuff, you know, because you've gotten through it and you've learned all the lessons and you're not viscerally living in it. And so I kind of think, you know, if I had to kind of boil it down to the one grain of truth, it's I want to be the voice of truth and education for women and not at all from a scary place. But what I see is that as a society, we're so scared yeah. to face uncomfortable things and say, no, like this is gnarly. Like birth is crazy because we're not used to doing it. We're not used to seeing it. You know, yes, it is natural and our bodies can do it. But, you know, we also haven't been seeing our moms do it. Our sisters, our aunties, like home births all around us where it is a completely normal part of life. You know, most of us, like 99.9% of us aren't grown up seeing that. So it's really about like reclaiming that, finding it in our bodies and... And just being aware. And that's why pregnancy is such a beautiful time to go through all this. And and notice like, okay, if I want a home birth without meds, like that's just not some magical thing that's going to happen. It's going to really be working, training my body and my mind to be able to do that. Because like think about every time you have a headache, you know, we reach for Advil. Mm-hmm. Like every every time we have a discomfort, we're we're always reaching to fix it. It's like a societal thing. We're so yeah. used to it that we don't even <clears throat> think about it, you know? And so I just like to really walk that journey with women. And it's like, you know, you just have to, if you want that kind of birth and that kind of outcome, and you know, every miracle is, I mean, every birth is a total miracle and we never know exactly how it's going to go down anyway. But like, if you are really wanting a specific natural outcome, you have to train for it. It's like a marathon. You know, you're not just going to go out and run a marathon. You have to really diligently prepare your body for it. Now, I don't... I will admittedly say, I don't know the difference between a midwife and a doula. Yes. You are what not alone. Difference? Okay. I was like, <laughs> is, there another, is there another one? I feel like... No, there's like... Um, there- so, a, so, okay. A midwife is more like a doctor. So the midwife okay. is really concerned about getting the baby out safely. That's the, you know, same with an OB. That's synonymous. A doula is really to be with the mother and the partner, if need be, too, holding the space for the family. So the term doula means in service to women. So you can have a birth doula, postpartum doula, death doula. It's really anything that's like helping you on your journey is a doula. So like, um, for example, in the hospital, it's really great and important if women can have a doula, a birth doula, because in the hospital setting, you know, you never know if your doctor is going to be on call. You don't know who, what nurses are going to be on call. And so there's so many variables that you can't control. But if you have your doula there really holding space for you, massaging you, helping voice your wants and needs when you can't, you know, they're basically your advocate. And really concentrating on like, oh, you need some coconut water. Oh, you need a snack. Oh, you need that back rub. Oh, I'm going to get in the shower with you for three hours and rub your lower back, you know? Like they're the ones doing that. The midwife is not concerned with that. The midwife is really concerned with 
helping you birth your baby safely. Mm -hmm. So I love that you mentioned in your first um, pregnancy and birth experience, you were going to be in a birth center and then you had to go to the hospital and then you had to have an epidural, um, which was not your plan, right? It wasn't in your birth plan at the time. No. (laughs) Second birth, did it go differently for you? Yes. Okay. It was, yeah. So I have like a couple questions there to like break off. In my mind, I imagine myself, like, I feel like um, I have like a very controlling nature nature about mm-hmm. me when it comes to my body. And mm-hmm. that's what led me into holistic health, but also it can be a problem. Yeah. So I find myself, yeah. and I've heard many women talk about this in the holistic health world. I had a plan. I was going to do a natural yeah. birth. I wasn't going to do medicine. And then they're rushed into a, an emergency C-section or whatever the right. case may be. How did you handle that? Um, was it a stressor for you or were you also prepared? Like, this is what happens and I'm ready to trust my body, trust the process. How did it differ between yeah. your both, both of your children? So this, that is a really wonderful question. And that could be an entire podcast, I'm sure. Just, you know, pulling those different parts, yeah. uh, you know, unraveling those parts, you know, it's so interesting because I think that's a really poignant question. And so many of us as women have that, you know, we're used to really controlling our bodies and using our bodies in so many different ways, you know? And so it's, it's just a really interesting thing. For me, I really wanted a natural birth and I really did not have a plan B. I was going to have my natural birth. I did three months training for it in Bradley method class with my husband. Um, he was really, you know, on board to help me with everything. And it ended up, as I did transfer to the hospital, they, when they basically, so when they broke my water, I was 10 centimeters dilated very quickly for a first birth. It was about four hours start to finish. They broke my water and she had pooped, which is called merconium in the amniotic fluid. And so people get really scared about that. If, you know, it often happens, it's, she was at 41 weeks in my belly. So sometimes the longer they're in there, it's more prone to happen. It also can happen when they get stressed out, which she was not. But a lot of times, like if you are in the hospital and you start with the Pitocin or the Cervidil or the things to induce babies and it can vary their heart rate and kind of get them stressed out, it's common for them to poop, right? Because they're like voiding out. They're Mm. like trying to figure out what's going on. And, you know, if they had not broken my water, it's hard to know. Like an hour later, I could have had a natural birth there and everything would have been fine because if if you're birthing and you notice there's merconium, it's too late. Like it's just happening, you know? But since they did break the water and knew that was happening, they were concerned. And so we transferred to the hospital. But that was pretty insane because I was 10 centimeters dilated with my water broken. So my whole body was like, birth this baby out. And then I had to get in a car and drive for 20 minutes. And like, it was like, I thought I was dying. And when we got there, I was screaming literally bloody murder to anyone. Like I remember seeing a janitor in the elevator, like screaming for meds. Oh and my God. Um, like it, it was so just that kind of, painful. <laughs> yeah. It was just crazy because, <laughs> because I also was in such flight or flight, you know, fight yeah. or flight. like I having been so immersed in one kind of trajectory and then it changed so quickly when I'm already on this other planet. And so for me, actually, what was interesting is my empowerment came in getting the epidural six hours later because I kept thinking she was going to come naturally. But you know, it was just something so different because I knew my body, it was just really closing up. It was not open. She was not coming mm. down because I was so stressed out. So I knew if I got the epidural, 
I could chill for a minute, kind of come back to my breath and then could birth her out. And that's what happened. Wow. Um, I think if I'd had other doctors, they would have taken me straight to C-section. So I'm grateful for that. But there definitely was like some birth trauma down the line I had to deal with and which is not uncommon. It's a very, you know, like it's a, it's a big thing and everyone processes it differently. Hmm. For me, it was not being heard in the hospital space of me saying, no, now I want meds, but I've been so pro no meds and everyone was trying to like keep me natural because that's what my intention was. But looking back, I would have had a safe word that was just, no, when I say this word, we change gears. Mm. You know, there's an epidural, no question asked. And um, so that I, I think is really good for women to know that there's always a space for course correction because we've never done this before, especially a first baby. You don't really, you don't know what to expect. And having a caregiver that you really trust and knows what your intentions are and then also can speak really honestly with you as things change. And I had had some red flags with my caregivers. I mean, they're all like wonderful people, but just there was the energy wasn't just aligned mm-hmm. 100%. And so I think what that does is when you aren't 100% confident in your own self and your caregivers, there's like some shaky foundation. So I really encourage people, even if you're a week out and you're getting that download, that hit, like my doctor, I don't really feel connected, switch doctors. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no shame in that. Um, and that... So, okay. So that was my first birth. I was not going to have another one. I was a real like hashtag one and done. <laughs> I was very like verbal about it. Yeah. And then I got pregnant on our seven year wedding anniversary. <laughs> and not planned. Not planned. Not planned <laughs> yeah. But I had taken out my IUD a couple months prior. So it wasn't like, you know, I didn't have a fortress going on, but I also right. wasn't planning for it. Yeah. And but then it was really a cool opportunity because I had maybe for a year or two, my husband always wanted another kid. I did not, but there was a girl spirit that I knew was around me. And I didn't mm. know if it was supposed to be in this lifetime or another one. I would fantasize about having this home birth that I really always wanted and felt so healing to me. But I also I couldn't really make my mind up about what that was. And it certainly isn't a good decision to bring another child into this world just for the birth, which of course Mm -hmm, you never know if we're going to have that or Mm -hmm. not, you know? So I couldn't really get clear on it. But then when I got pregnant, obviously I was really excited and, you know, pretty, pretty um, challenged in a new way, but like way more relaxed the second time. And I trust my body so much more. I've done a lot of healing work and in my body, with my body from the first birth. And so I got the midwife I really wanted and I adore her like 100% trust from the get-go. And that was a huge part. And and just knowing that if I did have to go to the hospital, I'd have another doctor waiting for me who was amazing, who I love with all my heart. And um, I really just did the work. I went really... Uh, inside myself. I am really steeped in the birth world now, but I didn't even want to go to prenatal classes, which I also teach. But I just, I didn't want, I didn't want to be around people. I didn't want to read books. I just really knew that this was an inside job Mm. this time around. And I didn't even know if I wanted a birth doula. All my best friends were birth doulas and I couldn't make a decision Mm. who I wanted, if I wanted someone. 
I was kind of hoping I would just go into labor naturally and just have it with nobody around. Um, that sounds so frightening to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> just going at it alone. Like, see, guys, I'm going to just sit here and birth this kid. So wish me luck. I like, know. I mean, people do it. Yeah. I am glad I did not end up yeah. doing that because I do need more support than that. Mm-hmm. But that's just what it felt like. I just felt like an animal. Like, I just yeah. want to go in my dark closet and have well, this Well, we are kid, animals. You know? Like, I think it's, yeah, it's exactly. interesting that, like, very yep. um, primal piece of you just took over at that second birth. 100%. Yeah. And I trusted it this time. You know, I knew I had gone through, I'd just gone through so much. I'd gone through that birth. I had gone through the death of my father, the death Mm. of my dog, the death of my two grandmothers. I'd run a marathon injured. Like I had, I had done these major life things and gotten through them. And so, you know, I was just a tougher person too, by the time I had the second baby. And again, I, I was going for what I wanted And also knew that if she was going to need to come out of the hospital, she would, you know, but I I was just setting myself up in the best way possible. And it was gnarly. I mean, it was insane. Like birth is insane. And, you know, it's... It just is like, (laughs) it blows our minds. Me and and Liz have talked about it many times. Well, you've watched like... Like, I remember one time you're like, you have to come over and watch this documentary of women giving birth. And I'm like, no, no, I don't. I follow like three or four different birth Instagrams that are like yeah. extremely graphic. And I've like yeah. showed, well, you know, Cody, because you met him. Yeah, but I'll be like, Cody, Cody, I'll be like, look. And he'll be like, what are you showing me? And I was like, this is what you're going to have to go through, dude. So like, you have to watch. Get it to I really. <laughs> I'm really fascinated by birth, but it is like it's really it's magic, you know. Like it sometimes is. I think I'm like people are all weird about the term like magic, but it is magic for real. It is magic. Oh my god! It's there's nothing there's nothing more amazing. Honestly, it's just the most incredible thing. And I would just like to say, you know, I'm kind of a hippie. I'm definitely you know a tree hugger, but. I also am kind of approved. So I would get freaked out watching birth videos. Like mm. I was like, no. In the first birth, I made my husband swear. I was like, you are not looking down there. Like I was just so prudish about it mm-hmm. all. And like cut to like 15 people watching my vagina, you know? It's <laughs> yeah. like, it's just, you know, it doesn't even matter at that point. But by the second one, I was so um, open to it, you know? And, and my husband thinks it's all really beautiful. And so he's he's actually more... Uh, like open to wild, it, but yeah, open to it. Yeah. No pun intended. Yeah. But um, <laughs> um, but that was like part of the journey too of just my femininity, you know, yeah. and owning that side of myself because I never really felt comfortable with it. Like people will talk about birth, and I was just like, oh God, you know, Liz, that's you. You're um, smiling. It is. It yeah. is me. <laughs> totally been there, been there, and you know, you're not alone. So many of us are. It's like I. Like my head and like my vagina were like two different solar <laughs> systems. I was just like, like my brain's up here, like body's down there. Um, Did that ever make you feel like one thing that I struggle with being? I'm still in the prude land. Like that's where I live yeah. right now because I haven't had it. Um, <laughs> but sometimes it makes me feel like, like I'm not feminine. Like that part of me is missing. That I'm not like. I just want to birth, like the magic of childbirth and I just want to birth. Like it makes me feel like I'm broken for not, oh. for feeling weird about it. 
because I'm weirded out by it and I like don't find it beautiful because like if yes. I see that I literally like will get queasy. Yeah. It makes me feel like I don't have that maternal instinct. Like I'm not meant to be a mom because I feel like I hear so many people talk about like, you know, birth is beautiful. And this is like, they talk about it in, in all of those very hippie, natural, lovely ways that I wish I could feel that way, but it makes me feel like a broken woman kind of. No. Yeah. I think that's not uncommon. And I do not think that makes or breaks you as a mother at all. You know, we're not used to being in that realm at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, most of us have never seen that, you know? And it is uncomfortable and it's kind of scary. And, you know, there's so many imprints about what we've heard about birth, what our mothers have told us about birth, what our grandmothers have told us about birth. I mean, many generations back, we have not been empowered women owning it, you know, and it trickles down through everything, through our magazines and our movies. Like we don't really see it as what it is. Mm -hmm. And it is a huge thing. It is a huge physical undertaking. It is a massive opening. It is a surrender that is hard to even put into words. And even with my second, I still had that feeling when you hit transition, that's, you know, in the movies, that's when everyone screams for drugs is when you hit that transition, it's about to really move through your body. The baby's about to move through your body. And you get to that point and you're just like, I want out, bye, I'm leaving, or I want drugs. Mm. Like, I can't, There's no way I can make it through this. And every woman goes through that portal. Even with the second one, I felt like it was a death. I mean, that's how big the surrender feels to me in my body. It's like, oh, I'm dying. Like That is what is happening here. And I don't mean that to be scary at all, but it is, it is something so big that's outside of our mm-hmm. control that it feels like a death. It feels like this massive unknown. It is jumping off a cliff. It is the ultimate surrender. Mm-hmm. And and again, circling back, most of us don't live our lives like that. You know, the the women that are very not type A personalities, that are very go with the flow, that I would say maybe aren't that ambitious as far as like, you know, today I've got to get this done and this done and this done and this done. Those are the women that have easier births because they're sense. not fighting their body, right? You know? Yeah. So it's just, it's just such a whole process of getting to know yourself. But I think looking at it all as a journey and not so much as um, good or bad or right or wrong, it's just a journey into your own womanhood. You mm-hmm. know, it's a journey into your own motherhood. And of course, like, I don't really know you. I don't know if, you know, what your dreams are about being a mom or not, but I don't think that 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 indicates anything about being a mom or not. It's just an unfolding and getting pregnant is a huge thing. Staying pregnant is a huge thing. Going through the whole journey of pregnancy is a big thing. And it's not for everybody. And it's also very humbling. It's again, surrender. Mm -hmm. The thing, the way we think it's going to go, it often doesn't go that way. I mean, with my first one, I was vegan. I was mostly raw. I was like, I'm going to be hiking every day, drinking my liter of green juice. Like that's, I'm going to keep doing my life. And that's what's going to be like. And I was really, really sick for seven months with her. I could barely walk. I lost 10 pounds my first trimester. I couldn't even look at a green juice until like two weeks before I gave birth. And that was really humbling because I'd always, I'm a very physical person. I, I started yoga when I was 15 and I've always kind of been able to do, my body could always do what my mind told it to do. Mm-hmm. And yeah was really humbling to not be in control of that. I just think that that's such an important 
piece to talk about. And the more I'm, we dive into motherhood and I talk to mothers, it reminds me so much of like birth. It like makes you surrender. And if you don't, and if you don't surrender, it's like, it's, that's your greatest teacher. Like if you haven't learned that lesson yet, or if you need that reminder again, it's like birthing a child. It's like you said, you have literally no control. You can try your best to like put things in place, but what's going to happen is going to happen. It's your greatest teacher. And I think a little bit of fear for me is that I really do trust my body. Like I have this deep knowing Mm. that things will work out the way that it needs to and that it's so smart. But then there's this other piece of me because I have struggled with anxiety that I'm like, oh my God, though, what if I can't handle it? Like what if it comes and it's too much and it like blows like blows yeah. my mind or like just the fear mm-hmm. of, um, I've always had this very deep rooted fear. I think I even told you when we met of like postpartum depression and like, yeah. just like, there's also a lot of different things I've read about just like women in general, like you're not supposed to go to, at it alone. So one piece of it is like, where's your community? 100%. Um, the yes. other piece is like, are you surrendering? Like, what is this all? So I have lots of fears. I know Liz is more fearful. I think of the birth itself and mine mm-hmm. is more fearful of like the mental piece that goes along with a child. Yeah. 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 So many things to say about all those things. And I think for Liz too is you know, if you do start getting closer to wanting a kid, really doing some education, reading books, reading empowering birth stories. I love spiritual midwifery, which is very hippie from the 70s. I would love that. It just sounds like I would like uh, it. It's See, so I need good. To She's doing, I do the opposite, which is like, tell me, like, I'll, like when I get to know women, if I ever talk about it yeah. and they have kids, I'll be like, tell me how horrible the birth, your birth was. Yeah. Tell me, yeah. tell me about everything that ripped. <laughs> tell me about everything. Like, and I don't, that's not yeah. helpful to me. And I know that. That's not helpful. <laughs> yeah. Because it's just like feeding that right. fear Feeding the fear. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And you know, the, the beautiful thing is that things do happen and our bodies heal. Yeah. That's so important to remember. It's like, it really does. And, you know, and there's nothing wrong either of having a hospital birth and being on meds, you know, Mm -hmm. that that might be really the way you need to be. And that's why this journey of pregnancy is so massive. It's Mm -hmm. because it's really learning, not what people's projections are onto you, but really learning who you are and what you need. And so I think in this birth world too, there is that feeling sometimes with women of judgment, like, oh, I didn't have this natural birth, you know, I'm a failure. And it's not at all. What it's about this movement of us empowering ourselves is that we are taking the initiative to educate ourselves and then make the decisions ourselves. So what's been happening for many, many generations is that these choices were imposed on us. We didn't have choices. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we gave everything over to our doctors to tell us, these men, by the way, yes. that have never had a child, what this was about which is just insanity. Like when people study us in a hundred years, they're going to be like, what, what was that about? Like, yeah. that's insane. I still um, feel like that is almost an issue yeah. though. Like when yeah. I even oh, go to my doctors is. in general, yeah. that's another one of my deeply rooted fears, not to get into another yeah. topic, but it's just that yeah. I'm going to go to my doctors. I'm going to do things and I'm going to question things and I'm not going to find, I'm not going to feel yeah. like I have a voice. And I feel that yeah. way just in like the medical society sometimes where I feel like I just shut down. She said, she shut down. Totally, um, totally. So just, yeah. And it's, and it's such a system, you know, and that's why educating ourselves and, and being the squeaky wheel, if you need to, or having your doula advocate for you and yes. having your partner be on board for you when you can't, because 
when you go into labor and birth, you go into a different part of your brain. You're not supposed to be making these decisions about medicine and do I need a C-section and all these things. Like you're not in your normal mind. You know, and, and it's such a long topic and I don't, I don't want to do our whole conversation about it. But, you know, the medical system is very flawed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have more cesareans than almost any other country in the yeah. world. We also have the highest maternal death rate mm-hmm. over any other like country that has as much money and education as we do. Like, it's insane. It's, we are really on the same levels uh, as, you know, for deaths of mothers as some of the poorest, most uneducated countries in the world. And that frustrates And that is a major me. problem. Yeah. Why is, is it just because we're still breaking through the old mold? Because again, like this brings up all, we've had, we had a conversation yeah. a few episodes ago on hormonal health and I feel the mm-hmm. same way about hormonal health. Like yeah. we go to our gynecologist, but things that were not being heard, things aren't being seen in a new light yet. Like some are, yeah. not to discount everything, but like right. we're not there yet. And I don't know, do you see that shifting? Do you see us moving through that? I think, I mean, I'm in LA and so we're kind of on the cutting edge and yeah. it's still slow, but the, it is more of a change. Maybe it should but the, birth my child the, in LA. Yeah, I you mean, go. you might need to. I might, you might need to. Yeah. I mean, the real issue is it's big pharma and it's insurance. Mm-hmm. And these are the major money makers. And, you know, quote unquote, emergency C-sections most of those emergency C-sections are not emergencies. It's because you did all of these interventions along the way that you didn't need to potentially. It's because the second you came into that hospital, you were put on a clock. And if you're not birthing within that time frame, which is so insane, then you're given all these other things. And so that's where the education piece comes in, Mm -hmm. where you can say, they can say, oh, you can't leave the hospital. But if you know your rights, you know you can leave the hospital. Mm -hmm. If you have a caregiver that really trusts you and you have a good rapport with, you have that dialogue going on. You know, it's not just this kind of blanket statement being put on to you. Mm-hmm. And anyway, it's, I mean, it's a huge thing and it really needs to be changed, but ultimately it's going to be changed woman by woman yeah. saying, no, I'm not doing that. And if that's the system I have to work within, I'm going outside of the system. But how do we gain and, the confidence to do that? Because I find it so hard to say to say no to somebody that's gone through years and years and years of medical school. That's the hardship. So like, is there, I guess it's just finding the people you trust. Like what I find lovely is like when I eventually get pregnant, it's like, oh, I can call you up and maybe we can have a conversation. And then maybe you can send me somebody that's close to me or you can send me a resource. It's like finding the people, I guess I just answered my own question, but like finding (laughs) the people you trust. having the support. Yeah, Yeah. that have been through it and that know and you're like, I trust you so you can help me through this. Exactly. And just having that, that community, you know, I get that all the time from other doulas. Like, do you know this doctor? My client has this doctor. What do you think of this doctor? You know, really having that support team. And and again, it does come back to education because when you read enough and learn enough about the process, about what your body is actually going through, yeah, it makes sense. You know, it, it does make sense. It's a really natural, beautiful process mm-hmm. that you know, if things are going well, it doesn't need that much intervention. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. Like, fuck yeah, it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But it's it's nothing scary. You know, birth is not scary. It's unknown. We're still judging birth as this 
thing that we need to like anesthetize and get through as quickly as possible. Yeah. Same with the postpartum. It's not right. honoring what it is, you know? Can you talk to that it, a little bit yeah. about postpartum? Yes. Faux show. Mm-hmm. Um, postpartum is really... Well, first of all, I want to debunk one thing because this is a very common thing where now people say, oh, she had postpartum, mm-hmm. meaning like postpartum depression, right. yeah. postpartum anxiety. That needs to stop because postpartum is anytime after you have a baby. Right. It is not synonymous with postpartum depression. So that's one thing I'm really passionate about changing the verbiage about. Um, postpartum is anytime after you have a baby. Usually though, when we're talking about postpartum, it's that first six weeks directly after you have your baby up until like three, six months. That's like when you're really, really in it. Mm. And you have these markers, you know, like you get to six weeks, you're just barely coming out of the bubble, the fourth trimester. Then you get to three months, you're at another, you know, kind of threshold, six months, a year. I really feel like two years is when I personally begin to come out of the postpartum, like my baby's 19 months right now. And I feel like- Our friend just said um, that. Yeah. She's like, it's yeah. been two years. And I feel like really? I'm just now like, which yeah. blew my mind. Cause I was like, mm-hmm. I mean, that seemed like a long yeah. time to be having not right, had a kid. Right. But she was <laughs> right, like, I don't yeah. know if I'm ready. I would love another kid, but I don't know if I'm ready. Cause it's like, I just yeah. got out of this. Like I'm, I found totally. me again. So that's I know. interesting. And it's a lot because it's a lot to reset your body, you know, to get your nutrition back, to get your sleep back because, you know, usually by two years, they're sleeping through the night, you know, and kind of on a more of a schedule. More research is now showing that your body really isn't back till seven years. Shoot. That is also a fear that I have. I'm like, oh my God, like, am I just going to, I feel like I need my sleep for my brain to work right. I'm like, what am I going to (laughs) do? Like, I know, I know. It's a big thing, but I think knowing that, you know, instead of using this information as like fear mongering, we can flip it and use it as help. Yeah. So looking at it as, oh, okay, well, I really need to put myself first, you know, for the first time in my life. Which people think I think it's the opposite, right? Because they're like, now I need to put my baby first. Yeah. 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 And that's, you know, a huge disservice our society is doing yeah. for every woman. And that's why we do have postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, all this isolation. All these women think they're failing at being mm-hmm. a mom. Mm-hmm. And it's not. It's these natural things. Like you're fucking tired. You know, it's not normal to have to go back to work three months later. Yeah. It's not normal. And also your brain can't really handle it that well because you're still so much in that postpartum. And it's nature. You know, all of this comes back to nature. It's, right. It's beautiful that we're on kind of another planet mentally because we're supposed to be lying around, nursing our babies on demand, sleeping when they sleep, tending the fires at home. You know, that's how it's always been. You stay low, you stay quiet, and you heal your body. And then you're able to go on and have another baby, you know, if you want. I mean, that's really, if you look at just nature, that's what women have done for thousands of years. The postpartum rest and the care had to happen because if it didn't happen, women would die and they couldn't then have other babies to populate the world, right? So it all just makes sense. It's yeah. like, of course we're going to do that because if not, our population suffers. But we're so far removed from that. So the way that I love to work is helping women really focus on themselves. That's why my business is Mother the Mother. Mm-hmm. It's all about the focus on the mom because as the mother, you are the cornerstone of the family. And, you know, it's 
for some women, that's a really big switch because I feel like so much of our society is also viewing like the man is the man corner, main cornerstone and, you know, kind of the man's career can take precedence a lot of the time. And um, it's really owning that power and that goddess power and that, that kind of sovereignty as a woman, you know, that queen of your family. And if you're suffering, guaranteed the rest of your family is suffering. If you're miserable and you're having postpartum depression, your husband is suffering, your partner is suffering, and your kids are definitely suffering. Even when they're these tiny little newborns, they're taking all that energy in. Yeah. So it's just so important to be mindful, to be calm, to be eating the nourishing foods. I cook Ayurvedic healing food. I do the oil, Abhyanga. We do daily meditation. Really helping the woman make this huge transition from maiden to mother. And it's different for every woman, how their body reacts chemically, emotionally, you know, how they were mothered. A lot of stuff can come through your like matriarchal lineage. And again, those expectations that we have on moms just to ping right back into their lives is crazy. And it's crazy making. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Right. And like how many women are like, I need to get back to pre-baby weight. Like that's just like so many crazy expectations about. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. And you know, the thing is, is like, some women do go back very quickly to their pre-baby body because you're breastfeeding a ton. It burns major calories. You're, you're tired. You're up all the time. So not every woman that loses weight quickly is, you know, trying, <laughs> trying or like <laughs> dieting, but you know, a lot are, and that will be very much seen in their nervous system mm. and their anxiety you will see women that just look like hollow in the eyes and it's because they're just totally overdoing. Um, And it obviously gets harder when you have toddlers at home and then you have another baby. It's a lot of work. I mean, I have almost a six-year gap between Mm -hmm. my kids. So my oldest is so independent and still it's really challenging to be a mom of two and having a baby, uh, a toddler. So I can only commiserate with women who, you know, it's very popular to have kids like two years apart. And I just, I can't even imagine that. It's Mm -hmm. just so much work because it's like, again, you're kind of just coming out of that baby haze and that separation. And babies really start to separate from their moms around two. There's a lot of separation anxiety that happens just naturally in the developmental, you know, incline or whatever. And and then you have that second baby or that third baby and it just, it's a lot. So especially if you're having a second, third, fourth baby, you have to make your healing priority. Mm. Now, how would you, thinking about like you referenced partners and you know, Nina, mm-hmm. I know you alluded to community. What in the postpartum process how can you enlist those people to help you? What are some of the ways that you've seen people really leverage the communities that they have to get the support that they need during this time? Very good question. And I am working on building a platform for this. So people can, (laughs) yeah. So people can buy like a whole package and then whoever's in their community, their sister, their mom, doula, whatever can help implement Hmm. um, the way that I work with my clients. But you know, if you have a postpartum community, postpartum doulas, um, postpartum therapists, or even just like great therapists that know about the postpartum, lining any and all of that up, I think is really, really beneficial. Working on getting a plan during your pregnancy is really important. 
So not only are you focusing on your pregnancy and birth, but really starting to fine tune what your postpartum bubble is going to look like. So you have a 19 month old and then a 19 month old and a seven and a half year old. Oh, she's going to cry. Oh, I'm sorry. Boo-boo. She's like, I'm going to be on the show. I know. I know. She's, She's so speaking wants. of motherhood though, what a like a perfect like addition yeah. to like we are not editing out that cry. That no. cry is staying in the podcast today. I know. Real life, real life. Yeah. Babies I know. cry. Fun fact. Yeah. I, yeah, exactly. I know. And I mean, I think that's beautiful too, is just to show what real motherhood is like. Like my other daughter is downstairs with a stomach bug right now. Aww. And like projectile spew vomited in my face last oh my night. God. And I'm like, wonderful. That's, that's that's a new sensation. Yeah. Okay. Like mom, momming is very weird. We're learning. Um, we're learning. But um, yeah, just really the education. So I want to start doing a lot more workshops mm. um, with pregnant moms about the postpartum. Because if you start thinking about the postpartum time when you're postpartum, it's basically too late. You're just... Because you're already so exhausted. You're yeah. so in another realm that you can't even plan it. So... There's some great books. There's The Fourth Trimester, which is by Kimberly Johnson. She's a friend. She's amazing. I always recommend that book. And it's really about honoring these traditions of the fourth trimester. Ooh, I like that. And and really viewing that time as a part of pregnancy and birth. Mm-hmm. It's It's still all one continuum. And I think that's another aspect is we, we tend to cut our bodies up into these time zones. Mm-hmm. This is my body when I'm a, you know, a teen. This is my body when I'm in my 20s. This is my body in my 30s. This mm-hmm. is my body in my 40s. This is my pre-pregnancy body. This is my post-pregnancy body. It's all your body. you know. And yeah. the more that we can just own that and be her friend and be her biggest ally, the better it's always going to be. You know, We just have to really start working with ourselves, not against ourselves. And the food is a really big one for postpartum. Ayurvedic food is my big, my big, big thing in concentrating on warming foods, stews, soups, warm teas, puddings, oatmeal. Because every woman, if you study the Ayurvedic system, there are three main doshas and we're all, you know, a mix of two or three of them in varying degrees. But every woman postpartum is vata. So it's that etheric, that very spacey, your body's filled with wind because if you think about it, you've been having this heater basically in your belly, this ball of energy, major pitta, you know, sweaty, heat, hot, and then the baby's out of your system all of a sudden. And you're cold, you're damp, you're very airy. Um, so you really want to wrap the body, keep the body warm at all times, mm. inside and outside. That's a big one. And then the other big one is rest, which sounds so simple, but it's the hardest thing for women to do. That's yeah. half my job is every day when I'm with clients, I'm like, lie down, lie down. When baby's sleeping, you have to sleep. At least be horizontal in your bed if you can't sleep. Put on your headphones, You know, do a guided meditation, listen to a podcast, whatever just allows your nervous system to recalibrate. Because you never know what your night's going to be like. And most likely you're going to be up a majority of the night. So you really have to rest during the day. And if you have a lot of visitors, you can't be resting during the day. Yeah. So that's where it gets tricky. So really looking at that piece of it is, do you even need visitors? You know, everyone just assumes like, oh yeah, my mom's coming in town or my in-laws are coming in town. And then I'll ask, why? 
you know, what, what is that really bringing to help you? How can we, if they are coming into town, how can we make it suit you, not them? And those are hard things to have. Those are hard conversations. Even your visitors, your best friends, sometimes if their energy is like way, way up and very high and they're so excited, that may not be the right energy though for you because mm-hmm. you're so open, you're so vulnerable. You're like an open, raw nerve postpartum. So keeping that just, you know, they're simple things, but we're not used to thinking in those terms. So they're difficult. Really outlining who is going to bring you more energy and more comfort and who is going to take energy from you. And a lot of my clients, you know, they're like, oh, we're having all these people. And then by the time the end of the pregnancy and I've worked with them, they're like, we're not having anybody until six weeks is up. We don't want anybody. Yeah. Here, you know, you have the germs to contend with. You have, you know, just lots of boundary stuff comes up with family members that up until this point, we may maybe have been able to deal with pretty well or just kind of made a lot of allowances for or said, oh, just blah, blah, blah. That's just who they are. I can embrace it. But when you are in this new place and space as a mom, everything is different. Well, there it comes again of like, you're going to have to learn to face whatever it is mm-hmm. that you weren't yep. facing before and surrender exactly. to it because you have no choice like it for your yeah. for your mental health for your physical health for your it's baby true. But I mm-hmm. also love like just normalizing postpartum time and saying like, it is okay. Like you should be tired. You should yeah. take time for yourself. You should like call someone over yeah. if you like need to rest or whatever the case may be. Like you are open, mm-hmm. you are vulnerable. Like you're not going crazy. Like you are having all the normal emotions that somebody would at that oh, point in time. 100%. Which 100%. we don't see. We just see people... Yeah. And well, people aren't yeah. talking about it, you know? People yeah. just aren't talking about it. Because they think something's wrong with them, it seems like. Exactly. Well, yeah. And we're not, we, we're not modeled it. You know, we didn't grow mm-hmm. up seeing this. If we saw that that was all normal, then of course it would be normal, you know? And yeah, I mean, that's a really great point you just mentioned. I feel like most of my job is just normalizing it. It's like, yeah, this is normal. Like, yeah, your, your nipples are hurting right now. That's 100% normal. Your vagina is hurting right now. You just birthed a baby. <laughs> yeah, like I'm going to help you. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to help you, and we'll do the sits bath, and I'll, you know, do the frozen pads for you, and like all the things that I can do to help you. But it's it's a healing process, you know. And we just have to trust the process. But if you do rest, if you get the sleep that you need and the rest and the mental rest, so your nervous system can actually like come down, you will heal. Our bodies are incredible. I mean. Totally. They, you know, like our vaginas go back to how they were mostly, you know? And it's it's so interesting because, I mean, this is a whole other topic, but the incontinence and a lot of the pelvic floor issues, those are not necessarily from birth. Most of the time, they're from not resting post-birth. Mm. So it's not just like, oh, you're spitting out a baby and like your body's messed up forever. It's not the case. If you heal and you take good care of it, you can come back stronger and better than before. Like wow. truly. We're just not taught that. And that's it. But we are now. That. This podcast is teaching we it. Are. It's so funny because I know. I know someone that has had, like she just like did some corrective stuff around the pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. And she, abs- I don't, I did not know her when she had her children, but I absolutely know mm-hmm. that she is not the kind of person to to take that rest that she rest. deserves. Mm. So I have, I have to yeah. share this I with mean, her. Yeah, and it's, And again, you know, there's that space as we're all learning this stuff that 
we go through that mourning process of like, God, I wish I knew this stuff when I went through it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, we only know what we know when we know it. And that's just a fact of life. And that's a part of motherhood too. It's like, I don't know everything. I, I learn new things every single day as a mom. And that's that deep surrender is and, and being able to admit that, the willingness to admit, I don't have all the answers. This is a journey. This is my lifetime journey. Like mm-hmm. being a mom is a lot of work. It is a lot of work to just go with the flow and be be in service to your kids and your life, you know? And I just think that the more that we can postpartum always come back to the question, is this serving my mental and my physical health? Yeah. You know, like every time, like your partner says, blah, 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 wants to come over. And you just go, is that in service of my physical and mental health? You know, like literally, like sometimes Mm -hmm. we just have to break it down to those simple things. Mm-hmm. If that person can come and drop a meal off and stay for 15 minutes, that might be really great and in service to you, you know? And and every woman is so different. You know, some women need more social than others. I thought, okay, so with my second, I decided I was gonna be my own guinea pig. Cause after my first birth, mm-hmm. I was driving two days later. My husband wanted to work the next day. I was so adrenalized. I was so happy being a mom. Everything was going pretty well, but I basically didn't sleep for three years because I was so kind of like ticked over into flight mode and my adrenals tanked and it was a really long healing journey. And I wasn't depressed. I was very happy being a mom, but my body really suffered. We traveled all the time. Like I did not put myself first. Mm -hmm. And um, with the second, I was like, okay, that will be all changing. I told my husband, I was like, if we have a second, just prepare like you're throwing money at me. Like no questions asked. Like, th- like this is going to be like my self-care is yeah. going to be priority. And yeah. so I was like, okay, I'm, I'm doing this as a research on myself. I'm doing the 40 days like very strictly. And my husband again went to work the next day and it was the most healing aspect and time of my life. I mean, wow. I look back at my 40 days and I just long for it some days because mm-hmm. My older daughter was at school. So the baby and I had all day. And I pretty much prepped a lot of my postpartum. I had my friends coming over. I had one good girlfriend who made me the Ayurvedic food, but I didn't want her in the house every day. So she would come by like every three days and drop me off food. And my other friend would do Abhyanga, the Ayurvedic oil massage, maybe once a week. But I really just wanted to rest and be quiet and be alone with my baby. And You didn't get any stir craziness. Zero. Wow. Zero. I can see myself and being like, oh, like I feel like some moms like get um, what's yeah. the, like stir crazy. Like I need to get out. Stir crazy. I'm just with, yeah. Stir crazy. So that's when like knowing yourself and always knowing that you can course correct. So yeah. some people plan for the 40 days and then by week two, they're like so stir crazy. Yeah. So they need to get out, you know, they need to have people over. Um, but for me, it was incredible. And I, I was almost 40 when I had the baby. Wow. And I, my healing was so easy. It was seamless, like no issues. And I honestly look younger in my face than I did before I had her. So I just think it's medicine. It's really medicine to rest and heal. The other point I want to speak to that you just mentioned is we get so addicted to doing. Oh, amen. So <laughs> it's also a real opportunity to look at that when that comes up of like, oh, I've got to, I've got to move. I've got to do something. I've got to do something. Yes. Like what, 
looking at what that really is underneath that. Yeah. Because so much of our self-worth is in our doing. And when you're postpartum, it needs to be on your being. I feel like and me and Liz have a hard time with that. We like to do, do, do. And we, we clearly do. Yeah, it's we have hard. So and I'll many. tell you, it, yeah, I go and go and go until then all of a sudden I am not going. Like mm-hmm. I am out of commission watching Netflix for like 12 hours. So yeah. yeah. And because your body is really smart. Your body will say it's enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and the nervous system can only handle so much. And there's an interesting link that is now being studied of a lot of women with autoimmune issues and like thyroid issues coming up in the late 30s and 40s because your nervous system can handle stuff for so long. 100%. And it can't. Yeah. And it can't. And it's like, nope. That's sort of like my line of work when it comes to hormones uh, and stress mm. reduction. Like th- that's like what I love to coach on hormones and anxiety. And so that's mm. why it's interesting how all of this plays a role um, in what so, you're talking yeah. about. And it seems like the main piece in like every conversation we have is like, how can you honor you? How can you listen to your body? How can you love your body? Yeah. And people find that in so many different ways. They come to it because they had anxiety or a hormone imbalance or like body image issues or pregnancy. It's like, but when it comes down to it, it's like all at its core. How do you honor your body and how do you love you? Totally, 100%. And it all, you know, it all feeds into everything, right? It's it's all everything. Mm -hmm. And how you treat your body in your 20s and love your body into your 30s and your 40s, all that is wrapped up into your pregnancy and yes. how you will birth your baby and how you will heal from it. It's a cumulative thing, you know? So I just, I always encourage women wherever you are on the path of being a woman is just do the work. Do where you're called. Mm-hmm. Do where you're, the lessons are coming in. You know, work where you are because it's all going to lead you to betterment, mm-hmm. whatever that looks like for you, you know? Yeah. I feel empowered that I think um, so many of us are now open to this, that we'll be sharing these concepts with our mm. future daughters. And mm-hmm. Ugh, I know. It'll Create just a new getting, normal, like a new is, kind of normalization. Yeah. And I think that's such a key thing. And that's why I started my podcast is because I just want it to be a place where I'm just speaking the truth of like, these yeah. are th- this is what it looks like. These are the things. It's normal to feel these things. And no judgment because when we hear the stories from each other, we go, oh my God, that's what I was feeling. You know, I don't need to be judging myself. I don't need to be thinking I'm failing doing this. And, you know, it's like with any kind of shame, when we don't speak about it, we isolate and mm-hmm. we think we're the only one going through it. Whereas it's, it's thousands of us going through it together, but we're all in just our own homes going through it instead of in those villages that we used to live in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just so important. And I think, you know, we're in such an incredible time in history where as women, we're really banding together and we're sharing our traumas and our stories and our uh, challenges and our wins, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it's really an awesome time to be a woman I and inspire each other. Agree. I agree because everybody's sharing their, well, not everybody, but so many more women are sharing their stories. And I think it's mm-hmm. just like helping us all be better people and lives better lives. 100%. Yeah. Where, where can our listeners, if they, even if they're not even thinking of getting pregnant or are pregnant yet, where can they learn more about this and hear your stories and he, learn about your work? Um, give them all of the details. Thank you. Uh, on Instagram, I'm Mother the Mother. And my podcast, which is new, is Mother the Mother. And you can find it on iTunes. And 
it's not all about pregnancy and postpartum. It's really about the journey of women. Mm-hmm. So it's all women throughout their womanhood journey. And, you know, there obviously is a focus on postpartum because that's what I'm so passionate about. But it's really for all women. Um, sharing birth stories, sharing a lot of the different healers that I work with in LA, a lot of the different birth workers. So I really want to show women the full perspective of birth and the birth world because there's so many different ways to do it and there's no right or wrong. You know, birth is birth and knowing yourself and what you need is a huge part of it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the You're podcast so today, welcome. sharing this the story. So I know. Thank you. I'm so glad that I our paths have crossed. <laughs> I know. I will definitely be having more motherhood podcasts down the line. I am sure. Awesome. Yeah. Um, well, but we really you. appreciate it. You're welcome. It was so nice to meet you guys. And um, yeah, I'm I'm so happy you guys are doing what you're doing. It's just, it's all really informative and really important. So thank you. Thank you to McLean for coming on. I know that I have not been shy in this podcast about my fears about that next chapter of my life. If it ever happens, I still don't know. And I know I personally feel a lot more educated about what the journey looks like and ways to become informed and set myself up for success at all points throughout the process. And I know our listeners do too. Mm -hmm. I really liked this conversation as I am in this world of like women's health and I find it super empowering and I'm so glad that people like McLean are sharing their stories and helping other women feel really comfortable and cozy with the whole idea of uh, the birth process. So And we can't wait for you guys to continue the conversation of women empowerment at our event, September 21st. Don't forget those early bird tickets are coming to an end at the end of May. So head on over to our Instagram, uh, Finding Your Shine Podcast, and you can find the link to get those tickets in our bio or just head over to empoweredvoiceconference.com and you can get all the information there. Wow, that was quite quite a succinct sentence. So let's leave on that note. (laughs) Let's leave on that note. We will catch you guys next week with a new powerful episode. Bye.